like I'm using down in here because we didn't like we won, but I'm complaining about something normally, and uh, so I won't complain about a red zone offense right now. But uh, how, how does Mike Leach uh, celebrate a win like that? What are you going to be doing tonight to, uh, to to celebrate a big victory for you in this program? I'm going to get on a bus and I'm going to ride for four hours to uh, Starkville, Mississippi. Now, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't pretty, but when that ball went through the uprights, it was one of the prettiest things I'd ever seen. We just beat LSU on the road. Go Hawks! Yeah, great team win for us. Always good to. Uh, Keep the Mayor's Cup where it belongs in the city of Columbia. You like that? Could have gone to either Columbia. Does, uh, does it feel like bad performance in some ways? I mean, thank it, you, Trent Grimm from the Independent, right there. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, that's a win. I get Trent. it, Dan. I get it, Dan. But, but you said it exactly, Chip. You answered it. Ten and zero, undefeated in the SEC. Uh, that's where we've gotten. It makes no guarantee for what's going to happen in the future. Uh, we got a lot of guys that we've got to try to get better. And, and improve, and um, we got to tackle better. There's a lot of things we can work on to get better. And you know what I love is the being in that locker room over there beside me. They all know that, and uh, nobody thinks they've arrived. Um, there's things we can work on and get better at, and they'll continue to do it. But tonight, they 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 went through a tough gauntlet in our league and uh, and played well. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bradden. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. A little bit of an announcement here. We're going to be taking a little break from the show. We got uh, two more coming this week, but then uh, you're not going to get one until the early signing period, which really is only uh, when this podcast hits eight days out. But uh, taking a little trip, got to get away, a little vacation here, going with the girl with to visit her family for an early Christmas in the state of Utah. So... Hitting up Antarctica here, and uh, as you're recording this, I'll already be there. But, hey, I promised you guys that uh, we'd get to Billy Napier in his introduction. Had some good thoughts on that. Got some bowl game lines to get to, a little bit of news and notes around the SEC. So, couldn't leave town without uh, giving you at least one more pod this week. And let's start right there with those betting lines for the bowl games. Now, on the last episode, I was able to give you the the playoff betting lines because those were already out, but uh, those remain the same. Alabama, 13.5-point favorite over Cincinnati Bearcats in the Cotton Bowl, I believe it is, and then Georgia, 7.5-point favorite over Michigan in the Orange Bowl. Again, those have been uh, the lines since they have came out, but hey, we got the lines for the rest of the games now. Texas A&M, 6-point favorite over Wake Forest. Got to think uh, the Aggies, Cruz, they, they played a couple years ago in a bowl game, and I can't remember how that played out, but I think it was, uh, I think the Aggies may have lost that one. Tennessee playing Purdue in the Music City Bowl. The Vols in Nashville, a three-point favorite. Purdue actually opened as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but that thing has swung all the way in favor of Tennessee. South Carolina versus North Carolina in the Duke Mayo Bowl. The Tar Heels favored by seven and a half points. Mississippi State versus Texas Tech. The Mike Leach Bowl in the playing in Memphis for the Liberty Bowl. Bulldogs, big favorite here, eight and a half point favorite. Missouri versus Army in the Armed Forces Bowl. I said this will be a tough matchup for the Tigers, and according to the betting odds, it will be Army favored by seven and a half. Missouri's going to have to bring. 
bring it with that run defense uh, if they stand a chance in this one. Florida versus Central Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa. The Gators favored by seven and a half. And then we got Ole Miss Baylor in the Sugar Bowl. The Rebels, it opened minus two, but uh, currently Rebels only minus one. So nearly a pick them there in the Sugar Bowl. Looks like that's going to be a hell of a game. We got Auburn favored by three over Houston in, what is it, the Texas Bowl, I think is what they're, no, Birmingham Bowl. Auburn favored by three in the Birmingham Bowl. Home field advantage if uh, any fans decide to show up. Arkansas. Underdog to Penn State by three in the Outback Bowl. Kind of scratching my head trying to figure out how they came up with that one. Kentucky favored by two and a half against Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. Last time I checked, Iowa can't score a damn point. So if Kentucky gets a field goal in this game, they should cover that thing pretty easily. And then finally, LSU, Kansas State. This one, I think, is the Texas Bowl. Then Tigers just got Brian Kelly, and they got themselves a three-point favorite in this football game. So there's, you got the uh, updated lines for each and every SEC bowl game. And as I count them here, hell only three non S only three SEC teams are underdogs in their bowl games. And that's about what it's going to be. It's going to be 10 and three, 11 and two, 12 and one type record for the SEC come bowl season. Just you wait for it. All right. But uh, Hey, the topic I really wanted to hit on, on this episode, let's kick it on down to Gainesville. Billy Napier was introduced by Florida on Sunday. Now, of course, with, uh, you know, the championship breakdown, all the bowls and everything, it was kind of just so much going on. Couldn't really get to this news, but I don't want the Gators to feel like uh, like Cousin Shane says that I hate him. So let's uh, break down a little bit of what Billy Napier had to say here. And I came away impressed. Of course, it's hard to lose the uh, opening press conference. Billy Napier certainly didn't do that. And, uh, you know, that's something he came right out of the gate, hitting on recruiting. And when you hear about Billy Napier, the thing you hear time and time again, very detail-oriented. He thinks everything out before he does it. And that's, you know, it, it's easy to just say that about someone. But, again, this is a guy that uh, could have taken the Auburn job, probably could have taken South Carolina, maybe could have taken Tennessee. I mean, there's many jobs, Mississippi State, considered Billy Napier in the past, yet here he is finally jumping at that chance to take the big job at the Power 5 level after leading Louisiana to four consecutive Sun Belt Championship games. Just got a championship win here on Saturday over Appalachian State. So Billy Napier coming to correct the issues of the Dan Bulla era, and it starts first and foremost with recruiting. So let's kick it over to Billy Napier, who talks about that and his plan to recruit elite players there for the Gators. Okay. You, you haven't been, as a head coach, at a place where, like, the real expectation was to land, like, the five stars, the high four-star guys. Mm-hmm. Now it is the expectation. What, what is your plan there to be able to position Florida to compete with, you know, guys like Kirby and, and Nick Saban, you know well? Yeah, you know, I think um, – We've got to sign around 25 players a year, right? Um, And I think that there's enough out there. Um, I think the important part here is that we uh, don't get consumed with the stars, you know, four-star, five-star. I think it's going to be more about evaluation, right? We're going to go through a very thorough evaluation process. Um, We're going to hire an army of people here. We're going to create an infrastructure, not only in the personnel, 
um, department, but also from on-campus recruiting, uh, creative media, uh, name, image, and likeness. Uh, we're going to create, um, we've got a great vision for the organization that we're going to create here. So we're the University of Florida, right? Uh, we've got a lot to sell here, um, and I think the timing is right. I think that the administration's um, willingness to invest uh, in our vision and this organization that we're going to create, you combine that with um, the resources that they're providing to hire an exceptional staff. Um, I think that the new facility uh, is going to give us, you know, an advantage that maybe we haven't had before here. Um, and I think that we're pro our proximity to player uh, is a direct advantage, right? So our ability to get uh, these young men on, and their families on our campus. Um, and then we do our job, right? I mean, if we can't sign 25 good players at the University of Florida, then you will be looking for a new coach. So uh, we're going to go, we've got a plan and we're going to go execute our plan. All right, now he's setting the bar pretty high. Of course, uh, the early signing period is coming up here in just a week, like I, I said at the start of the show. And Billy Napier was asked about that, the plan, the Gators' plan for the early signing period. And I thought this was the best answer he gave in the entire press conference. And it, it's not necessarily, I think, something Florida fans are wanting to hear right now, but it's what they need to hear. So let's kick it over to Billy Napier on his plan for his Florida program heading into the early signing period. And, and then talking about recruiting, how do you approach signing day coming up so quickly, or at least early mm -hmm. signing day coming up so quickly? Um, and then the integrity that you're showing, not taking everybody from UL, um, you have kind of a smaller staff here. So how do you go mm -hmm. about um, just getting ready for early signing day? So, um, yeah, that's a great question, right? And I think that's what we're in the middle of doing right now. You know, we put a lot of time and effort into that, uh, thought into that. Um, you know, I think our approach here, we're going to be very patient, you know. Uh, I think the, I know everybody wants to, you know, pedal to the metal here, you know, and go 100 miles an hour, but I think it's the most important thing that we do, right? I think the people that we get into the building, the staff, the players. Um, so, you know, we're going to evaluate um, the situation a little bit this week over the next 10 days or so, but you can expect us to be very conservative, uh, very patient, uh, try to position ourselves for post-signing day to evaluate all the players that are left over, um, all the players in the transfer portal. Uh, and then when we do have our entire staff and organization put together, position ourselves for some really strong weekends in January and then try to close strong in February. But, you know, reality is, um, you know, you're getting in the game and there's like three minutes left in the fourth quarter, right? So, um, and I think the last thing we need to do here is, um, you know, make some mistakes. So, you know, we'll probably, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't sign many at all, to be honest with you. Um, but there may be a few out there that are willing to jump in here in the last minute. But let me say this about that. I think that... Um, you know, for me, I think it's important in recruiting that both sides um, understand each other, right, and have had time to build relationships, right, to have conversations, to know who's going to coach you, um, to
to fully understand what the plan is, right? Um, so I think it goes both ways in that regard. I think it's an injustice to them and it's an injustice to us to all of a sudden just hurry up and elope here right at the last second, right? So, um, you know, we're going to be very patient and I think, uh, you know, we'll position ourselves for, you know, after this signing day's over, we'll go see what's left out there and do the very, very best job we can do. All right, so Billy Napier, he knows good and well. You know, if he cannot recruit well enough, his ass is going to be gone, just like Dan Mullen. It, that's priority number one of his current position is to recruit, get the talent level back where it needs to be in Gainesville for the Gators to compete for SEC and national championships, and it's going to come down to recruiting. And while he says that to start with, and then asked about this early signing period, you know, I thought this was a very intelligent way to go about it because what he's doing is he's essentially cautioning the fans that, uh, you know, th this early signing period is not going to be a coup. We're not going to be flipping guys left and right, just got here. You know, hell, he's probably already behind on the 2023 class, and it's nothing against him, but it's just any first-year coach having to, especially when you go from a Louisiana to a Florida, he's not recruiting the same caliber of athletes at Louisiana that he's now going to be able to at Florida. So, you know, he's starting from ground zero in a lot of, uh, you know, as he says here, we're, we're getting into the game with three minutes left, and, you know, they're down several touchdowns. So, no, they're not going to win, so to speak, here in the coming days. You try to get a couple kids to flip, but where you're really going to see progress is on National Signing Day with Billy Napier's Florida program, and that's the message you need to be sending out. And I love the fact that, uh, you know, this is something that I hit on previously, but Go back and look at uh, the early signing period, when that was first introduced. If you go back and look at uh, the coaches that aren't even around today, at that, it, I know this offseason has been wild, but a lot of failures during that time. We're talking, I believe Chad Morris was one, Jeremy Pruitt, Willie Taggart at Florida State, obviously Dan Mullen at Florida. Those are just a, a couple of the examples that come to, hit, come to my mind. But it's basically half the Power Five hires that came into play the first year of the early signing period, they've all been fired. Now, is that directly related to, to the early signing period? I don't know, but it's just so hard to, to get that first class together, and you could really, really make a mistake of just grabbing commits just to grab them, to fill up your class when you're not sure who you're getting or what you're getting, or you just, you're not, uh, you know, you don't know the player like you should when you when you're coming into recruiting, and that's exactly what Billy Napier's trying to hit at here. He's hitting at the bigger picture where I'm not saying you you want any losses in recruiting, but you can sustain them on the early signing period because you'd rather be a little conservative, I think, than just to pull athletes in here that may not be a good fit for your program, may not be a good fit for even the scheme you plan to run on offensive defense. So I like the fact that he's kind of setting the bar low for the early signing period because in reality, it's probably too late for the Gators to, to make any massive gains here in a week's time on the recruiting trails. Just very unrealistic. Now, moving on to big picture stuff, I thought this was outstanding because, again, this goes back to what we all hear about Billy Napier and – how calculated he is and, and maybe why he didn't want to jump to some of these jobs 
the investment of the program and the leadership and everyone at the school, where is that at? And according to Billy Napier and according to, to everything you hear behind the scenes, Florida is pushing in that direction, committed to everything that Billy Napier wants with his Florida program. So let's kick it over to him on uh, the investment that Florida has committed to to land Billy Napier. And then you've, t- you've said a couple different times that Florida ha- showed a willingness to invest. Can you elaborate on that and, and why that was important to you and what specifically you needed to see? Yeah, it's abso- it was, you know, it's absolutely the most important part uh, for me. Um, I think in, in today's era, in this college football dynamic uh, that we compete in, um, you know, it, it's truly an organization, right? We're talking about um, a very specific plan and all these different areas that affect your ability to compete. Uh, and in this league, um, you know, the proof's in the pudding, right? I think the two that played for the championship game last night are, you know, there's evidence um, relative to the way that they've created their organization. So uh, we're going to um, increase the manpower, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, We're gonna create very specific plans in personnel, recruiting, um, development, nutrition, strength and conditioning, sports science, um, the training room, Um, name, image, and likeness, you know, our journey program, which we're going to create from the ground up. Um, We've got a a very specific plan here. Their willingness to create those resources and put the uh, finances that need to be in place to do that, right? So that combined with the salary pool, um, you know, they were willing to do what, what we wanted to do. Can't compliment them enough for that. Now, he didn't mention it here, but uh, I'm hearing that Florida is going to add, he's talking about bringing an army here, 30 staffers, 30 new staffers, and that does not include the 10 assistants that he's going to hire full-time. So we're talking 40, and I don't think that counts analysts or GAs either. So, you know, it takes a small village here to get – this stuff moving in the right direction. And Billy Napier certainly seems to have an understanding of that. That's what they got in Athens and Tuscaloosa and many of these other college stations. I mean, they've got these people in place. And Florida, if they got any chance of turning this thing around under Billy Napier, he knows what it's going to take. He's seen it with him, with his own eyes. And now he's demanding that they bring in here to Gainesville. And according to what uh, Napier's got to say here, Scott Strickland has signed off on all this. So, I, again, I think that's great news if you're a Gator fan. Now, last little deal here. I thought this was kind of interesting. Billy Napier plans to call the plays down at Florida. Not that unusual. Hell, Dan Mullen was doing it, but two offensive line coaches. I never heard of this, but, yeah, Billy Napier kind of makes sense of it here. So I just thought this was pretty interesting. Coach, have you decided if you're going to call plays or not, and how does that affect your offensive staff? Yeah, I'll be calling the plays here. Um, You know, I think it uh, gives us an advantage, in my opinion. Um, you know, we've, we're one of the only teams in the entire country to have two offensive line coaches. Uh, we'll have an offensive line coach and an assistant offensive line coach. Uh, we will construct our staff on both sides of the ball and put a premium on the line of scrimmage. Uh, the offensive line, the defensive line, the edge players will be very important. Um, and certainly when you're coaching offensive line, you've got to coach five players. 
nobody's got one coach coaching five DBs. I don't know why you wouldn't have two guys coaching the offensive line. So I'll coach the quarterbacks with help from an offensive analyst um, and then call the plays, and then we'll have that advantage of having two offensive line coaches. All right. You know, another reason that this kind of jumped out to me is clearly Dan Mullen coaches the quarterbacks where he did uh, every stop of his coaching career. And now we, we got – Emory Jones, if he returns, Anthony Richardson, and, uh, you know, the commits coming in. and it, it, Every quarterback on the roster down there in Gainesville, it's not going to be a massive change, I wouldn't think, because they go from Dan Mullen being their head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, to now Billy Napier filling all those roles. So, you know, it, it may not make a bigger difference at the end of the day, but it may smooth the adjustment here to where – you know, you're not having to go through position coaches and coordinators before you get to the head coach. It's all the same guy. That's what these Gator quarterbacks are used to. That's what uh, Nick Ewers, I believe his name is, the the touted recruit they got committed to come to Gainesville. That's what he's going to be expecting before uh, he signed on to, to play for Dan Mullen. Now it's going to be Billy Napier as long as they hold on to his commitment and, and all indications are they will. But, hey, we're streamlining the process here. It's going to be the same as it was. And, again, I think that's good news for the Gators moving forward. And after this, uh, this was all on Monday here, but uh, Florida officially announced the, the hires of uh, defensive coordinator Patrick Tooney. And, interestingly, they gave him the co-defensive coordinator title, so they're going to be hiring another guy to be a co-defensive coordinator. They hired uh, a strength coach who's also been named associate head coach Mark Hoke. Hokey. I'm not sure how to say it, but – uh, he worked with Billy Napier at Louisiana, and f- more importantly for SEC fans, this Hokie, he worked for Nick Saban 2009 to 2015. That was a hell of a run there in Tuscaloosa. He worked as uh, Georgia's head strength coach in 2015. He's also worked at Texas A&M and, and FSU. So you're getting a guy that knows the lay of the land, knows how, what it takes to build elite athletes at this level. So again, that looks like um, an interesting hire there. And According to uh, what I've seen, Florida's remaining staff, Billy Napier has also, you know, we talked about his mega contract. He's, I think he's the fourth or fifth highest paid coach in the SEC right now. Now he's going to have a salary pool of $7.5 million, and that is more than Georgia and only behind Alabama. So, I mean, his assistants, whoever they, they're going to hire, of course, we got Tooney in here already to be co-defensive coordinator, but the other nine assistants down there in Gainesville, we're going to be commanding top dollar here. And again, that's another big thumbs up. And that goes to what uh, Billy Napier said about touting the commitment level that Florida is willing to, to make into his program to make him successful. So, hey, so far, so good. I know it's early. Everybody's Everybody loves a new coach and everybody thinks he's going to win every damn game. But, hey, so far... I'm loving what I'm hearing from the Billy Napier era, even though it's just begun. Now we'll see uh, how he assembles his staff and how they do in recruiting down the stretch. And speaking of recruiting, (laughs) Oklahoma's got a new coach, but uh, they lost them a five-star recruit, Gabriel Brownlow Dindy. I'm sure I butchered that name, but he's a five-star prospect, number 10 overall player in the country has flipped his commitment from Oklahoma to Texas A&M. Huge news for the Aggies. Five-star prospect. He's the fourth five-star committed to Jimbo 
Fisher's A&M program right now. So again, Aggies are inching closer to the number one overall recruiting class would be the first time they've ever done that. And, and they've got several other five stars on the line trying to reel them in. And I'm not saying they're going to get them all, but they are favored for at least one more. And five-star offensive, five-star offensive tackle Kevin Kelvin Banks just decommit from Oregon after Mario Cristobal jumped to Miami. And apparently he's going to be picking now between A&M and Texas, who many people have uh, Banks as the number one offensive tackle in the country. So Jimbo Fisher says, come on down. And that's not even one of the five stars I was referencing till uh, this happened on Monday. So who knows? I mean, big, big news here could be coming for the Aggies on the recruiting trail. Again, we're about a little over a week away from the start of the early signing period. Uh, so, man, it's, it's truly a battle right now between Alabama, Georgia, and A&M for that number one recruiting class in the country. And then, hey, last thing on this, uh, I got to cut this one pretty short, but last thing here, just want to give this guy a shout out. Grant Morgan just uh, won the uh, 2020 Burlesworth Trophy given to the best player in the country that started his career as a walk-on. Morgan was uh, a finalist for that award last season. And of course, you know, I think it's got to mean a little bit more to Grant just uh, given the fact that Brandon Burlesworth and his legacy there with the Arkansas Razorbacks, I think every walk-on down there in Fayetteville has got to have this dream in the back of their mind of being eventually the Brandon Burlesworth Award winner. Well, Grant Morgan got that done, came back as a super senior, just helped uh, lead Sam Pittman and company to new heights there in Fayetteville. And now it's got, it's the, the culmination of all that. Grant Morgan came back to, uh, you know, probably in the back of his mind wanted an award like this, but uh, more of a team player than anything, wanted to see the team succeed. And now that the team has, he's getting rewarded individually. So you got to love that. The uh, Burlesworth Trophy staying home in Fayetteville this season. All right, guys. So, the, hey, that's all I got. And like I said, I'm hitting the road. So podcasts are going to be uh, not hitting your inbox on a daily basis here. So apologize for that. But I, w- I do got one already scheduled for Wednesday as well. So you got one on Wednesday. And I'll be back for the early signing period to kind of dive deep into that. I'm going to try to reach out to a bunch of recruiting analysts and have them on after the early signing period to kind of dive into some of these prospects and, and things of that nature. So a lot to look forward to. But hey, I need a break too after uh, daily shows here for the entire season. Hopefully not a uh, any new coaches hired or fired, even though there's there's speculation down there on the planes. The, the countdown is on. So if that happens, I don't know what we're going to do, but uh, we'll try to work something up if uh, some emergency happens. Hopefully it doesn't. But that's going to do it. Uh, just want to say appreciative, very appreciative to all the listeners out there for uh, this season and hey the best is yet to come just need to take a little break here so i appreciate each and every one of you and we'll catch you when i get back